Hello and welcome to the Iowa Hospital Association's podcast, Getting to Know Iowa Hospital Leaders. My name is Joa Hogan. Today we have a very special conversation with Lois Vogel. Lois is currently serving as a trustee at Mercy One Newton Medical Center and has been a trustee since 2008. Lois served what was then called Skiff Medical Center and now Mercy One Newton Medical Center for over 30 years. Lois is a Diploma of Nursing graduate from the Methodist Hospital in Peoria, Illinois. She received her Master's in Healthcare Administration from Des Moines University and her Bachelor's Degree in Health Arts from the University of St. Francis. Lois has been married for 60 years to Frank Vogel, who was her high school sweetheart. And they have two sons, Mike and Steve, and six grandchildren. Lois and Frank have lived in Newton, Iowa since 1969 in the same house for 54 years. Her husband, Frank, took a job at Maytag after finishing engineering school at University of Illinois, which is what brought them to Newton, where Lois started working at Mary Frances Skiff Memorial Hospital, now Mercy One Newton, as a staff nurse, then house supervisor, and agreed to take on the CNO position to help out until they found someone else, and then stayed in that position from 1974 to 2004. Welcome, Lois, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to have you. My first question today is if you could tell us your healthcare journey from a high school student to your current role as trustee at Mercy One Newton Medical Center. Well, let me see. That that goes back a few years, as you can imagine. I graduated from high school in 1960. So at that point, I was in a small high school in El Paso, Illinois, and um, the choices for women was pretty limited. So Nursing or school teaching was actually the choices there were, and I really wanted a career. I can't say that I had some passion for taking care of patients, but I wanted a career, and that's what I could afford and and my family could afford. It started with a nursing school, as, as you heard, the diploma school. We had six years after I finished my nursing program and my husband finished um, actually a tool and die program, that we traveled. We went to Denver, Colorado. I worked at St. Anthony's there as a staff nurse. Then we went to, um, for other reasons, but we went to Miami, Florida. And I took a job at Mount Sinai Hospital on Miami Beach. And what a fun experience. There were all kinds of actually entertainers that would have some sort of a health problem that we I got to take care of. So that was an interesting experience. And then my husband decided to finish his engineering degree. So it took us back to central Illinois, where we were raised. And there I worked three years in various roles, hospital and intensive care unit, trying to make money for college for my husband, but obviously um, great experiences in nursing. Then his first job out was in Newton, Iowa. So that brought us to Iowa. And we have been in, as you heard, in this in Newton for 54 years. So wow, long time. You mentioned you, you had a stint there in Miami and you mentioned you worked on some celebrities. Now, I don't want you to violate any HIPAA rules, <laughs> but uh, can you tell us about any celebrities you worked with? Oh, that's interesting. You know, I don't even think we knew the word HIPAA at that point, (laughs) but um, it's going to be hard for people to remember unless they're my age, which is over 80. Jackie Gleason, the June Taylor dancers. So there were twice that a June Taylor dancer did a did a fall and had an injury that brought her into the hospital. I remember I remember those two um, specifically. The other one was on the Debbie Reynolds. Well, she wasn't there, but one of her support staff, as well as Danny Thomas, also one of his support staff were there. And it was interesting to hear their stories and why they were there. Those are the names that come to mind, but it was pretty routine to have someone there. Very familiar with all those names. So absolutely. That's exciting. And so Miami was probably quite the spot 
back then, the entertainment oh. kind of area of Florida, and it's not the country. Yes. Right. The strip. We actually lived in Hialeah, but I thought it would be fun to work on the beach. So as always, you know, nurses are needed. So I, I, I loved it. I drove across, obviously, it was quite a commute from where we lived to get to the hospital, but it was a very enjoyable job. And was it quite a, a cultural jump or like were a lot of rules or was things different there in Miami versus in Illinois, where you'd come from and where you went to? It, they were, they were. And, and now that we more, know more about diversity and how, how valuable that is, definitely. I mean, I had born and raised in the Midwest, had hardly been out of the state yet at this point. So it was a big change. There was a lot of diversity in the hospital. It was my first experience actually to work with black people as well as Hispanic people. Wonderful team of caregivers there. So yes, it was a good experience. I learned I learned a lot. You had that exposure and then you could bring that back to uh, the good old uh, heartland. Well, I think all of those six years where I worked in various settings and various types of staffing and medical staff, it all helped contribute to my career as obviously the, the chief nursing officer at the hospital and actually now as a member of our board of trustees. It, it was just a, grow, a growing experience during those six years that was very valuable to me. At the time, I certainly didn't know what know it was. It was just what led us and thanks to my husband's career, it, but it, it paid off greatly. Sounds like it. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Appreciate it. We actually ran into you at this year's IHA annual meeting, and the word got out that that was your 50th annual meeting. Is that correct? And if so, do you have any stories or highlights you've experienced throughout those years of visits of the annual meeting you could share? Well, that is definitely accurate that I, my first annual meeting, 1974, I had just taken the CNO position. It was director of nursing at that point. It was called at the hospital in Newton and the, um, CEO at that time was Mark Eam, and he happened to be the IHA chair that year. I think he was the two years before that, but he was just finishing up and he said, Lois, you really need to go to this and you need to continue to be involved because the networking and meeting of other people will pay off. He, he just encouraged me to do it. And I was extremely inexperienced and a novice at all of this world, but it was an interesting meeting. Actually, in that year, it was held at the top of the downtown Holiday Inn Express, the Mercy Holiday Inn Express at that revolving restaurant that's at the top that you can sell. That's where it was at that year. It moved, obviously, to various places during those 50 years. It was across the road from the airport several years at, mm. at a hotel there. Of course, went to the Marriott then for a long, long time. It moved to the event center. I remember Sister Mary Bridget was extremely um, important to IHA back in the early years, along with all the IHA chairs and IHA staff, Don Dunn, I mean, just a, such an icon that helped IHA. And of course, as we moved on, I can't say enough about Gail Meyer, who was head of the nursing department and really encouraged mm -hmm. the nurses to work together to, to the point that I, even yet today, we have a group of retired chief nursing officers throughout the state that meets even at, yet. And, and obviously many of us are over 80 at this point, but we have just became friends, continue to share healthcare stories. So it's, it's a good thing. But Gail Meyer, I should mention how important she was to us. And um, in recent years, I can't say enough about Becky Anthony. She just led the programming. And that is another very positive of those IHA meetings is how much you got from the wonderful speakers and smaller sessions and certainly top of the line, the networking. 
Yeah, super interesting to hear about, like, even the different locations. Yeah, I'm familiar with those locations. And so that's cool that the first annual meeting was at the top of the Holiday Inn. And I think within the last five or so years, they took away that revolving restaurant part. I mean, it's still up there, but they took the revolving portion away. I understand that too. Yes, that, that yeah. Was, so it's it, kind of a bummer. We were revolving. I remember during this one big session. So it was a dinner session, of course. Sure. Oh, that's great. And do you remember any any speakers over the years that stood out to you? I think that is something that has gotten bigger and better. I would say in the last ten or twenty years versus the first few years. The first few years, honestly, um, the vendors was huge. It was it, we were just many many of those, and um, it was where. I actually was able to pick out many products that we needed, you know, dressings and IV fluids and IV pumps, all of the clinical. So it was extremely important to the nursing staff and to to the clinical part of nursing. Again, that has all changed due to technology and whatever. That oh, but that's that's super interesting. So you would go to the trade show portion with the vendors and I mean, get basic equipment for the hospital. You would see it for the first time. You would be able to see how things had changed. Um, yes. Wow. So you would get names and contacts and Oh, yes. Honestly, um, I'm thinking about a bed purchase that we made was a contact through IHA at that point that it was something we needed and we saw what we needed and, you know, could could go from there. Um, our IV pumps. Yeah. So it was a yeah. big pump. And this was in the uh, 70s and 80s during those sure. years. And so like you said, it's like there there was no internet or anything. So this is where vendors came and showed their latest, greatest products. Wow, that's cool. I never thought of that. I like that. It is. It is. And one other thing I should bring up that I think has changed through the years, but um, and as, as everything has changed, the awards and being recognized for outstanding CEO, the young executive award, and certainly outstanding nurse executive, those used to be awarded at a big dinner, and there was acceptance speeches by everybody that got them, and the reading of their background and reasons, and it was kind of a chance to hear about others' successes and opportunities. And um, it was very positive during those years too. Again, now we know more, of course, it's all online and mm-hmm. it's, it's changed. That's the only word that I can say. Sure. Um, and again, I was honored in 1994 to get the Outstanding Nurse Executive Award. Um, and of course, this is, a, this is given by your peers. So it means an awfully lot when you get that. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's very well-deserved. Thank you. Very interesting. I like to hear that and how things have changed. And and even the awards kind of change within my span of being at IHA. Appreciate that. How long have you been there, Joe? So in February, it'll be 10 years. 10 years. Okay. You've seen a lot of changes. Yep. Yep. My actual first year was the first year it had moved from the Marriott to Trinsa Moore Auditorium or the convention center. Okay. So, so that, that was, was nine my years. first year. Yeah. And then you hit the COVID years, which made things all online. Yeah. So. Virtual. So yeah, very historical points for sure. So yeah, we'll see what the future brings. So hopefully we'll see in the next 50 uh, annual meetings. We'll see, we'll <laughs> see what so. develops. <laughs> right. Well, I see you're a certified trustee within the IHA trustee certification program. How has your experience been within that program and you find it beneficial? I find it very beneficial. Yes. Um, I became certified right away when I got on the board and found out about this program. And again, it was it was easy for me because I was used to getting continuing education units as a nurse and went to meetings and continued education through just 
the leadership position that I had, I do feel like it's a little more of a challenge for trustees that are not in the healthcare field for them to think this way. And yet not all teachers are used to this too and that, but no, it's very valuable again, for the very same reasons you get to network, you hear great programming. Programming is geared to our job as a trustee. And so no, it's very valuable. That's great to hear. I'm sure you've seen a lot in your healthcare career. Can you share any interesting experiences you've encountered within the hospital setting? You've already shared a bunch, so I appreciate that. When I think about the uh, 60 years that I've actually been in healthcare, the changes are just mind-boggling. I remember taking care of cataract patients that were flat on their back and had to be in bed for two weeks. That was a standard of care at that point, was the cataract immobility was, was important for them not to move that eye. But as you can imagine, what happened then was they were elderly, more, more older people, they got pneumonias, but, but the care was tremendous. As you can imagine, we had to feed these people and they were totally. So that's changed way to the better. And with that, I can add that, um, oh my gosh, I should mention heart attacks or myocardial infarctions, they were the same thing. Bed rest was the only answer at that point, which wasn't the best answer. As you can imagine, they were just put to bed for two weeks is how, oh, how, wow. how they were treated. Quality of care and the, and the way things are treated has really changed, changed the whole healthcare aspect. And of course, for early 80s that we did our first outpatient surgery, everything was inpatient. There was nothing outpatient, not even x-rays, uh, you know, like an upper GI, a stomach x-ray or gallbladder, all those were admitted to the hospital. So you just think about the changes that's made. Patient education, the first 10 years that I was in healthcare, you didn't tell patients any of their vital signs. You didn't tell them their blood pressure or what the results of their lab work. Only the physician told them when he thought it was appropriate to tell them. So that whole dimension has changed. And that, of course, happened already in the, in the late 70s and 80s. And then, of course, most of all, what's driven change is the third-party payers, Medicare, what was Medicare first started in 65, right? So I, I started before that even with some of the, wow. it has just driven so much of the changes that it's, they have a lot of power now in how things are done. And probably lastly, I just need to say, we didn't even talk about quality to start with. You wanted to do good care, but there was no measurements. There was no way it was tracked. And of course, technology has helped a lot of that also. But those are some of the things that just jump out as how, how the picture has changed and we made progress. That's interesting about the cataract. Never would have thought of something like that. No. And you're right with patients uh, empowering themselves to get information. And maybe even sometimes now there's too much information out there and I'm sure it can cause some <laughs> not conflict, but a little bit of disagreement between your patient who's done a bunch of research on the internet and then what right. their physician says and their nurse says. So. Oh, I'm sure it's changed the physician's practice completely. And you walk in with all of the information that you've already sought out. Well, I'm sure you keep busy with being a trustee and with six grandchildren, but can you tell us a little bit about what you like to do on your free time? Any hobbies to speak of? Well, I stay very active. So I play tennis yet twice a week when, when it's, when it's summertime here in, in Newton and I play golf once a week. I walk every day um, that I don't do one of those other things. We do winter in Florida, which is wonderful. So we're wow. leaving in January for three months. This will be our 21st year um, since retirement that we have actually spent three months in Florida. So that's a great, a great change. And then we have a whole world down there. My husband has played softball for 20 plus years and I play tennis down there and we have a whole set of different friends that we know that do the same thing we do. So it, it keeps us active, but yeah, you hit on probably the thing that's been 
I'm the most positive, and that is our wonderful children and grandchildren, both of them. So we have been able to, they live in Chicago and in Davenport. So we weren't too far away to get to all the activities as they grew up. We actually had our first three grandchildren in 26 hours. And then the next mm. three were born in the three and a half years. So we had them all in three and a half years. And so that, they, they all grew up together. They were good friends. Oh. It was fun. It was just a great time. And uh, obviously lots of activities. We didn't, we, our goal always was to get to one activity of each child during their session of it. And then I want to know, have you, have you tried out the newest craze of pickleball, but maybe that's kind of the level down under tennis. If you're an active tennis player, maybe pickleball's like for people like me who can't even play tennis. So then they start with pickleball. Well, Joey, you're right. I played pickleball when I first retired in Arizona. We went to Arizona a month and Texas a month and Florida a month to decide which place we wanted to winter in. And um, it was so big where we were at in Arizona and we liked it. It was, but I just like tennis so much better. And as long as I can still run a little, I'm going to stick to tennis. But here in Newton, we just, they've just built some brand new pickleball courts. It's just the growing sport. So I'm sure we'll play. And you can play it year round because we have indoor pickleball courts here at our Y. Wow. Will be happening. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, very popular. I haven't yet to try it, so I need to. But yeah, it's super popular. But I think because it's probably, I don't know, I don't want to offend any big pickleballers out there, but it's probably a little bit easier or at least more accessible than tennis. At least you know, that's I, what it looks like to me, but I haven't played. So it was easier for me when I first started it. And of course, no. that was almost 20 years ago now. And I was younger. And and they say there's a lot of lunging. What what I just heard the other day that somebody had two emergency room visits from pickleball players because they tore Achilles, Achilles or something, you know, with the lunging. So I don't know if it's easier. I don't know. Okay. It's yep. So again, <laughs> I apologize any big pickleballers out there. Me too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Oh, it's popular. It's definitely yes. popular. And again, I want to thank you so much, Lois, for being on the podcast today. My final question for you today is, do you have any words of wisdom for someone just starting their employment within a hospital? Well, I think what I would want to say to them is that it's a very satisfying career. Stick with it. It's something that's so, so needed. I think the job satisfaction, as well as the fact that hospital little employees, whatever field that you're in, the, the, the salaries, the pay is better than it used to be. I think COVID helped drove that a little bit, but it's just such a growing demand because of our aging population and, and whatever. But definitely it's a satisfying career and stick with it. Thank you, Lois Vogel, who's a, currently a trustee at Mercy One Newton Medical Center for being with us today. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks, Joe. Very nice to be here. This podcast has been an opportunity to get to know Iowa hospital leaders. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for another episode next month.